that it is my turn to get up and speak. <laughs> so glad to have all of you here physically and those who are joining us online. We're glad that you're here and pray that the things that we shall do together are indeed in praise of God and the edification of one another. We have many that are visiting us here today, some from Southern California, Southern Illinois, Northern Indiana, Western Kentucky, and Southern Michigan, and from right here in Traverse City. We're so glad that you are here with us today, and if I've missed anybody, you catch me at the door and introduce yourself. As you can see, our banner, we're this month looking at four people that Jesus met. Let that child speak, off the record, of course. Love to hear children, love to hear them. Four people that Jesus met. Today we're going to talk, of course, from the reading today, about Nicodemus. Nicodemus is known, and I don't want to give the story away, but you know it already, that Nicodemus switched sides, as it were. I think of a famous politician in the mid-20th century who switched from one party to the other. And his statement was, I have not left them, they left me. And I think of a musician in the mid-60s who decided he was going to switch. He was known as the Messiah, as it were, of the folk music scene. And he decided he was going to go electric. And they booed him relentlessly at his decision to go into rock and roll. And I think in the 1990s, one of the greatest basketball players that's ever been known decided he was going to give up basketball and play baseball. And his fan base in Illinois just could not understand how he could do that to them. Those three switched sides. They believed in what they were doing, and they followed that course. And here in John chapter 3, Nicodemus was willing to search for answers. And I wonder as we go through our passage today in these 10 verses, if we can relate of just how much Nicodemus put himself at risk, not only theologically, socially, but perhaps even his physical well-being was put at risk. Because we read in the very first verse, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And we could spend an awful long time on just that one verse. A man of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, like all movements, seem to have started out well. From what we can tell, we don't know much about the Pharisees beginning a century and a half or so before Christ. With the best of intentions. But somewhere along the way, they became more, more concerned with the letter of the law than the Spirit. 
Nicodemus was one of those. And in verse 2 it says, This man came to Jesus by night. Now some may ride him hard as far as, well, why don't you just come in the daytime if you are so committed? Again, we don't realize how much is at stake for this ruler of the Jews. For he came by night. That's what we also read in John chapter 19, 39. That it tells us that this is the one that came by night. He came by night to search for answers. Rabbi, we know those three words. The fact that he was willing to call him rabbi, teacher. Rabbi being that elevated position amongst the Jews. Rabbi, we. He doesn't use the term, I know. He says, Rabbi, we know. Now, one of my cohorts in English would tell me that's an unclear reference to a pronoun there. Who were those we people? We don't know who they are. But the very fact that he says, we know. We don't suspect. We don't think. We know that you are a teacher come from God. It may very well have been that Nicodemus knew many of the Pharisees that were willing to admit this man is a teacher come from God. And in that very admission to Jesus, lets Jesus know as if he didn't know already that there were many who understood him to be a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He openly admitted what others knew from this. You see, others knew that Jesus was a prophet. We read in Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 23. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? And Jesus answered them, I will also ask, From where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. In this, there is the admission, though they would not commit to it. There is the admission that they understood. By what authority are you doing these things? They understood he was doing these things. But they simply wanted to find loopholes and little asterisks there to catch him. We back up to Matthew chapter 3 and verses 5 through 8. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. Speaking of John the Baptist. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. They went out to see John the Baptist. And many did believe in John the Baptist. In a passage in John chapter 9, we find the man that Jesus healed from his blindness. 
And the rulers want to know what is going on. And so they approach the parents. We pick up the story in verse 20 of John chapter 9. His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. See, that's the atmosphere. That was the culture that Nicodemus was a part of. That if any would admit among the ruling class that Jesus had any authority, that he was anyone other than an imposter, he would be thrown out of the synagogue. And that meant for Nicodemus, that meant his, his very livelihood and perhaps even his life. John chapter 12 narrows it down to it wasn't simply just the fear of being kicked out of the synagogue. In John chapter 12, picking up in verse 42, Nevertheless, many, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. And here it is. For they loved the glory of men more than the glory that comes from God. But Nicodemus was different. Nicodemus was searching for answers. We are told in John chapter 16, more of those people. Jesus tells of the risk that the disciples were going to take. John chapter 16, beginning in verse 2. They will put you out of synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But not so with Nicodemus. You see, Nicodemus was not only willing to come to Jesus, not in an accusatory way, he's willing to ask questions. And I wonder, falling back on myself, if if I'm willing to ask questions, and I ask the question for you to consider in your search for truth, are you willing to ask questions? For Nicodemus asks three questions of Jesus. Sometimes we can trace this back to the old triplets that were used in the ancient Greeks. He asks three questions that are pointed how can a man be born when he is old? How can a man be born when he is old? You see, for the Jewish mind, it was not, it was not this spiritual journey that one went on to being born again. It was on we are children of Abraham. In John chapter 8, the Pharisees in verse 33 say, we are offspring of Abraham and never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you will become free? Dropping down to verse 39 of John chapter 8, they answered him, Abraham is our father. You see, that's the birth that they were concerned about. They were concerned about being Hebrews 
through the line of Abraham, through the line of Israel, and that made them Jews. His letter years later, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. You see, that perishable seed was that which you and I are born of this day. We're born of the seed of woman, our mothers. That's perishable. We will all see death. The only thing that precludes that is Jesus' second coming. But to be born spiritually, which Abraham couldn't grasp, how can a man be born when he is old? And then he follows that up immediately with the second question, which is, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see, the first one would have been easier to answer than the second one. Or how can one enter a second time into a mother's womb and be born? We come back to statements that have been made, and especially by Jesus. As they asked in Luke chapter 18, verse 26 and 27, Then those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? And Jesus answers with that eternal question, that eternal response. What is impossible with man is possible with God. You see, for Nicodemus, all he could visualize is being born of a woman. But Jesus trying to explain that it is not the physical, it is the spiritual. And that is not impossible with God. You see, there were many things that those who followed Jesus did not understand. And close to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, as Jesus tells that first enigmatic parable, the parable of the sower, we pick it up in Mark chapter 4 and verse 11. And he said to them, to you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? You see, these were difficult things for them to understand. Fortunately for you and I, we have these things explained. The Old Testament are now revealed in the New Testament. We're able to understand the things that Jesus was preaching. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? You see, there's that beginning point. But it is the willingness to search. And that's what we find in Nicodemus. That willingness to Let's see, what is the Greek word? stick to Have you heard that term? It's that willingness to stick with it. That willingness to follow Jesus and learn what it was that he was teaching. For in these questions, you can tell that Nicodemus really is almost clueless. How can these things be? And in an answer that Jesus gives that is almost a dagger to the heart. Are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? 
That had to hurt. Nicodemus being part of the Pharisees, those who taught the people. You see, originally it was part of the priesthood. The priesthood's responsibility was that to teach. But the Pharisees had taken over, and Jesus, rightly so, points right to him. Are you a teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? But Nicodemus, unlike many who follow Jesus, does not turn away, throwing up his hands and saying, I just don't understand this. It's too difficult for me. But Nicodemus continues to follow. You see, those who had been following Jesus we find in John chapter 6, beginning of verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who could listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? And then dropping down to verse 66, the saddest part. And many of those turned and walked with him no more. See, there is a point of which many things are very difficult for us to understand. And they don't all fall neatly into one category. Many people wonder of doctrine. Many people wonder about the interpretation of Scripture. Some have that stick-to-itiveness to say, by and by, I will understand. Or, I'll ask the preacher, he'll explain it to me. But others don't have that stick to itiveness and walk away, sadly, just like those in the Gospel of John. Even Peter admitted that there were things that Paul taught that were hard to understand. In 2 Peter 3.16, he says, talking of Paul, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. Yes, the things that Paul taught are difficult for us to understand at times. But we keep on keeping on. The very same thing that Nicodemus does. In Hebrews chapter 5, a, a stinging rebuke against those of the day of the Hebrew writer. He wants to tell about this Old Testament priest. But he stops right in the middle is about this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God you need milk not solid food for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child but solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil But not so Nicodemus. Though he is told by Christ point blank, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? He knows he wants to pursue because he realizes who this Jesus is. Solomon says in the book of Proverbs, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge 
of God. And that was Nicodemus. And the scriptures follow up that Nicodemus indeed did follow Christ right to his crucifixion. In fact, Nicodemus was willing to call out the Pharisees and those in the ruling class on their belief. said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Nicodemus was bold enough to confront those of his class. And in that final hearing of Nicodemus, in John chapter 19, Christ having been crucified, beginning in verse 38, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. Nicodemus indeed followed Christ. He did not understand in the beginning, but he was willing to take that risk and follow Christ to the end, to learn about what he meant of being born again of the Spirit, that one must be born again. It was not discouraging to him. It was not that point of which he was turned off by what Jesus taught, but continued the scriptures are silent as to what happened to Nicodemus. But it's certainly not silent for us today to realize that we too must switch. If the old life that we are living is that which stands opposed to the scripture, then we must switch. If that old life of sin stands opposed to the law of God, then we must switch. If our beliefs in what we think religion is do not stand the test of Scripture, then we must switch. We must be as bold as that politician, as that musician, as that athlete to say, I'm willing to risk it all, no matter what people think. Jesus warned his disciples on several occasions of the dangers they would be in, even to the taking of their own life. Even the families would turn upon them. But we have Nicodemus as that shining example, willing to go against everything that he has been raised, is who he said he was. He is who Scripture prophesied was going to come. And he is the one who will return. And our question today is, have you made those preparations for when he returns again? For those who will be taken home to him. We're not left to wonder on our own. We're not left to guess at what we must do or simply be good people. There's a lot of good people in the world. But the scriptures are plain as to what we must do. Jesus plainly teaches that. Jesus plainly left his disciples with clear instructions 
to preach the gospel, to preach about repentance, and to preach about forgiveness of sins, and to preach that those who believe and are baptized shall be saved, but those who don't will be condemned. And they followed through with those commands all the way through the book of Acts, we find. If you believe that Jesus was that rabbi who came and taught truth, and that he died for our sins, that's a good start. But now we have that painful decision of having to switch sides, as it were. Switch sides from the ways of the flesh to the ways of the spirit. But you can't dwell in the middle zone. You can't dwell in that gray area. You can't live on the fence. You've got to make that choice. You must repent and turn from. Confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. And that final act that puts us in the touch with the blood of Christ, baptism that washes away our sins, we go down and we die to the old life and raised again to the newness of life. Then, boldly going forth, that's where you long to be. We stand ready to help. There might be other things in your life that are privy only to you. We stand ready to help in any way that we can. Together we stand and sing. Mm-hmm. Blood for all that can it be.